Hello you lot, welcome back to Sporthawk Sound, but before we go into today's episode, I just wanted to give you a cheeky little reminder to leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening on right now, if you haven't already, it really does help us out. Now, enough of that, let's get on to today's episode. Let the games begin. Hello you lot, welcome back to Sport Hawk Sound and today, oh go on have a cheeky guess, what do you think we're talking about today? That's right, you knew it, you got it, well done, we're talking about Kylian Mbappe, of course we're talking about him, it's the big news of the week and not only that, I'm sure you read the title as you clicked on this podcast, but I'll give you credit anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's move on, right. We are actually going to be talking about the players who might be coming into PSG rather than the ones that are going out. Obviously, I will give a little mention to Mbappe as yeah, yeah, he's kind of a big deal. But we want to kind of discuss which players are most likely to come in and who would be the best option out of them. So I guess we're going to kind of base this off the rumours that we've heard over the past maybe year or so and kind of balance that with who we actually think would be the best option. So it's kind of a mixture of the two, if that makes sense. So yeah, let's go into the talking point and then we'll get onto the ranking. Okay, so I mean, this section at the moment, I just I just want to ramble. I just want to talk about random things. So yeah, a little bit of self-promo. I spent a little while messing around with the Sporthawk website, which you should definitely go and look at. You can also get all of our podcast episodes on there if you didn't know. So say one of your friends or your family who whoever wants to listen to Sporthawk doesn't have Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Those are the only two places where we're hosting the platform. Uh, sorry, hosting the podcast already. But you can actually listen for free uh, on our website. So definitely go do that if you want to. You can also access our social media, our YouTube and everything on there as well. So it's worth a look. And you may have also noticed that I have updated the cover art as well for Sporthawk as well. So uh, we have a new little logo the little groovy hawk sat in a chair recording the podcast. I thought it was pretty cool. Let me know what you think. Do you prefer that one that I've just brought out or do you, do you prefer the old one? Hopefully you like the new one because it took me a long time and I think it's pretty groovy, baby. So I'd love to know your thoughts on it. I think I do have a little bit of OCD. I was talking about this with my girlfriend. I think I just can't leave uh, some artwork or something alone. If I'm doing graphic design, I literally just can't stop editing it. So because I, I always think that it's going to be better. I can make it better. And then I probably just end up ruining it. Um, so I need you guys to tell me that the one I've done is really good. And that it's definitely the best cover art out of all the podcasts that you follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Because yeah. I, I don't know. Otherwise, I'll just keep messing around with it. And I, I need to know that it's okay. It's just this annoying thing that I, I do. I just I just can't stop. It's, it's like with the, um, the Sporthawk logo on Instagram as well. I just keep messing around with it and trying to make it a little bit better, which I'm sure is good in some ways, I guess, because I am trying to make it better. It's not like I don't care. I almost care too much. People will notice as well about me when I was doing my clothing brand called Beach Bum. I used to run a clothing brand called Beach Bum and I just couldn't stop messing around with the website, the designs and everything, which, yeah, I guess it did make things better, but it's a little bit of OCD, a little bit of just being a really crazy perfectionist. But anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, especially if they're good. <laughs> okay, right. What's the actual talking point for that? I don't even know. This is probably giving you a great insight into my personality now. Just rambling. Also, yeah, I just want to mention 
this now isn't in a thing for you to tell me that the the thing looks rubbish just because you know it's going to annoy me. That That's not on, okay? Because you know that I'll take it to heart. So I don't want any of you guys out there now just messaging me saying that the logo is bad or that the cover art's bad. Because whether you're joking or not, it will force me to spend another three hours on it. And I really don't want to do that. So please just, just save me some time. Tell me I'm good. I'm also just having a couple of problems with my computer as I'm recording this right now. It keeps like cutting out and stuff. So if there's some funny noises whilst you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. But there's not much I can really do about it. I think my, I think my laptops are getting a bit old now. It's, it's taken me through a lot through my A-levels, my, my undergrad, my master's now at work. It's, I think he's near retirement age. But regardless, we're going to crack on. Everything doesn't seem to be going right now. Now I can just hear noises from outside of the window. And that's what you get for living in the middle of a city. So I hope you haven't left this podcast already. And if you are still listening, thank you. But I am aware that we're about five and a half minutes into Sporthawk Sound. And I've barely even mentioned football. And this, this is the great kind of content you're getting today. I am also just like really super tired. So this week has been pretty hectic for me in terms of work. And I really wanted to bring out two podcasts this week, but stretching to one, honestly, I'm glad I'm even doing just this one. But in the future, I should be more like two. I, I even want to do more than that. When I can, I want to be producing at least like three, four podcasts a week when I can get there, when I can be more efficient with it. And when I just have a little bit more time, you know, working full time isn't necessarily compatible with producing four or five podcasts a week. Hopefully one time we'll get there. And you'll remember this podcast when I said that I was going to do it and I will, hopefully. But for now, it's probably just going to be one this week. And that's okay. For this talking point, we are going to talk a little bit about football, actually. Surprise, surprise. And one thing that I was just wondering about, and I wanted this bit to kind of be a little bit more of an open dialogue because I don't know enough about this. I'm not going to pretend to be a physiotherapy expert. If any of you out there are doctors or physios, please let me know if I am talking absolute rubbish right now or whether I'm onto something. But it just seems a little bit weird that don't you think in the Premier League, some of the teams just seem to pick up a lot more injuries than others. So if you compare Newcastle and Liverpool right now, they are always played with injuries. And it feels like any player that comes back from having an injury almost immediately goes out again. So I'm thinking of players like Jota, maybe even Trent Alexander-Arnold's being a bit injury prone, especially this season, maybe a bit last season. I guess it's more to do with the overall squad because they do have a lot of injuries at the moment. I know Trent's out. Salah is just coming back from injury. Tiago as well. Who remembers Tiago? He was a great player when he could stay fit, but it seems impossible now. I think he played 15 minutes against Burnley or something. And then he just called it a day again for the season. And Jota, yeah, Jota is, I think, one of the most prolific forwards in the Premier League when he actually gets minutes. And he's not usually playing as a striker, maybe like a number 10, or he plays on the wing as well. So when he plays, he's such a good asset for Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, but he can't seem to stay fit for a long period of time and they've also had Robertson out as well and it, it just makes me think it's the same with Newcastle they have so many injuries as well Some obviously there, there is an exception to this players like Salah I know Salah got injured when he was away at the AFCON with Egypt and he's never injured he's all he almost always plays a hundred percent of Liverpool's minutes and you you get these players that just never seem to be injured and that is such a crucial attribute to have I think but why is it teams like Liverpool 
and Newcastle are always getting injuries. Is it is it the way that they play? Is it something to do with the quality of the physios behind the scenes? I See, look, I don't want to be throwing shade because I don't know. I'm sure these guys who work at Liverpool and Newcastle, surely they have the best of the best. But it just seems weird. Then you look at, I guess, Man City. I know their best player is always injured and they actually have a, had a couple problems themselves with Haaland and De Bruyne both being out. But it just never feels like it's the same kind of crisis for Man City. I have to caveat that with they obviously have the most in-depth squad in the Premier League so they can make changes and, and Pep is very well known for making a lot of changes even when players are playing very well. It always seems to happen with Phil Foden where he plays really well for 10 games is their best player in that period of time and then gets dropped for three games is then on the bench. So they do have one of the most in-depth scores probably in the world, but it does feel like certain clubs are just always having problems. I, again, there's other situations like playing in the Champions League. I know that Liverpool are playing in the Europa League. I got that wrong in one of my last podcasts, which is a bit embarrassing. I, I don't know. You just assume that Liverpool are going to be playing in the Champions League. I, I hadn't watched it in a little while because it'd been on a break. And I, yeah, okay. you all called it out to me. I get it. I got it wrong. But yes, we have Liverpool in the Europa League and Newcastle. Newcastle do have quite a thin squad for playing um, a European competition. So it probably is less surprising that they're having the problems that they are right now. But I don't know. Is it, maybe is it got something to do with players coming back from injury too quickly? Is there a problem with the amount of pressure that's on players to return as quickly as possible so they don't lose their space in the starting 11? I guess there's a lot of factors that can be involved. Maybe just some players are more injury prone. We know that. We know that there is players that are just made of glass. But I don't know. I just wanted to put it out there. I've been thinking about it a little bit recently. And it's just something doesn't feel right. When it, you know, Liverpool have had a lot of injury problems and then they brought in Jota was playing and Darwin Nunes and they both got injured in the same game and how often does that really happen that a team loses their two forwards in a game especially when Liverpool have so many injuries already so that's just a little bit of food for thought for you and yeah I don't know just have a think about it and if you know if you know the reason if you think you know unless you're working at the football club you're not gonna know but if you think you know and you have a little bit of expertise to support your theory, then I would love to hear it. But anyway, let's go on to our main topic. So, the big news of the week is that Kylian Mbappe is finally leaving PSG and going to Real Madrid. There was a little bit of conversation about where he's going because we heard that he was leaving the club before we knew his destination, but I think think most people knew where he was off to. We know that he is a Real Madrid fan. The posters of Ronaldo in his room as a kid but I can't lie. I literally would have loved it. As a neutral, if he just ended up at the Premier League, like if he just ended up at Arsenal or Spurs, imagine if Kylian Mbappe just rocked up at Spurs and he he wouldn't even get in the team. I mean, they got Son and Richarlison in his position. So where, you know, where would Mbappe play? Super sub? I don't know. I don't know. Well, he would, he would, because he says he prefers to play on the left. So you probably would play Mbappe on the left. And then Son up front, playing as a number nine. And then Richard, where would Richarlison play? He's been their best striker this season. Or he's, he's one of their top goal scorers. So I guess, can Richarlison play on the right? Maybe. I, I can't believe, I, look, this is how like exhausted I am. I'm actually discussing Mbappe to Spurs. And I actually think it would be pretty good. 
imagine Ange Postecoglou as Kylian Mbappe's manager. Imagine, Kylian Mbappe would be unbelievable under Ange Postecoglou. I, I won't hear otherwise. I think that that would be honestly insane. And again, as a neutral, I think that'd be honestly unbelievable to watch. Imagine a front three of Mbappe, Son and Richarlison. What, what, what could have been, eh? If he hadn't signed a five-year deal at Real Madrid, apparently he's on £15 million a year, which is quite, obviously it's a hell of a lot of money. But it is a little bit weird because when I first saw that, I was thinking, do you know what? Like compared to the money that they're on in Saudi, Mbappe's not being paid that much. And then I looked further down the page and it turns out that not only is Kylian Mbappe being paid 15 million euros a year, but he also signed a 150 million euro signing on bonus. Yes, 150 million euros to sign for Real Madrid. Again, I don't know how the intricacies of a contract like this work. Like, does he get paid all this in one go? The only information I have on this kind of thing is honestly from Football Manager. And there's no way I'll be paying 150 million euro sign-on fee for anyone, even if it is killing Mbappe. Although that might have something to do with me being the manager of Southampton. I don't know. I don't know. I won the Champions League with Southampton. I got us promoted and then into the Champions League places in, in five seasons channeling my inner J from the in-betweeners there. And actually, whilst we're talking about Southampton, I do, I just need to mention that I haven't actually recorded a podcast since our unbeaten record got destroyed when we lost to Bristol City. And then subsequently, we lost to Hull last night as well. But I'd like to thank you all who mentioned to me that I was the problem because I released that podcast celebrating the fact that we'd gone 25 matches unbeaten. And just to think that some of you didn't think that I was absolutely heartbroken at the fact that I ruined my team season. Because of course, me recording that podcast jinxed the whole thing. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. As soon as we conceded that first goal to Bristol City, that was the first thing that crossed my mind that I had completely ruined it for everyone. So on behalf of all Saints fans out there, I am very sorry. Because before that episode, which I never should have recorded, by the way, because I... I why, why did I do that? I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that I was going to jinx it. But yes, now it's all over. And we're now, we've slipped down to fourth because we've lost two games out of three. So yeah, I, I don't want to be making this about Southampton again. But I did want to mention to all of you who messaged me to tell me that I'd ruined my club season by releasing that podcast. Because I think it literally was the next day or something that I, I just, I didn't think it through, but you all messaged me to tell me that I ruined my club season just as I was wiping the tears off my phone while sat in the pub. <laughs> okay, this, is, this isn't this is meant to be about the Saints at all. That was a pretty pretty heavy detour off Kylian Mbappe, but let's get back on track, shall we? Anyway, so what I am supposed to be doing rather than talking about Kylian Mbappe is actually ranking who we think is going to be the best replacement that PSG can go and get. Now, I have five players down here and like I said at the start of the podcast, it's not really just about who I think is the best option. I'm kind of mixing it up with the rumours of players. So players I think that PSG are likely to actually target. But considering the club aren't making any money off this sale, it's pretty difficult. We do know, obviously PSG haven't, you think they have an endless amount of money, but it is a bit insane that he's leaving on a free. I'm sure PSG are very, very upset that they didn't take the decision to cash in on him when they had the chance. I think they were hoping that they were going to hold on to him a little bit longer, maybe get him down to another two-year deal. 
but they were always just going to be putting off this problem. He was always going to leave at some point. As much as Kylian Mbappe loves the club, there's no way that he was going to stay much longer. You probably have to be pretty naive to think so. We do know that recently they did try and shift him, but that was only with one year left on his contract. And actually, at that point, it's much better off for the player to try and move on a free transfer because you're more likely to get more money and a bigger signing on bonus, as we've now seen from Kylian Mbappe. But this does happen at a smaller scale as well. Players will sometimes just stick out the end of their contract in order to try and make as much money as possible at the end. So when they move on a free transfer, that club that's buying the player or acquiring the player is going to have more money to spend because they're not pissing 150 million euros up the wall, which is then going to PSG. It can just go straight directly to the player. So by the time PSG put Mbappe up for sale, it really was just a little bit too late. That's why they say that you need to try and look at selling your player when they have two years on their contract if you don't think they're going to sign a new one. But I think it's pretty clear that PSG are not a poor club. They have plenty of money, but this is still a major loss for them. Anyway, I think it's time to go into the ranking. So we're going to start off with number five. And I'm not going to tell you the players beforehand because I want it to be a surprise. Some of them might not be a surprise, but I'm looking at the five most possible signings that they could target. Five players I think PSG would actually want to sign but number five is the lowest ranked one. I don't think that this would be a great signing for them. And that man is Marcus Rashford. So at number five, yeah, we have Marcus Rashford, Manchester United's star man. We know last season he was in unbelievable form and he's really shown us what he can do as a footballer. I think that's where this interest is coming from. They're not going to be looking at how he's playing this season or even the season prior to last year. But we are aware of what Marcus Rashford can do at his very best. But he's just not showing it this season. And a player of Marcus Rashford's quality is going to cost you a lot of money, especially because he is Manchester United's star man. He's from their academy. He's always been at the club. He's one of their biggest assets that they have. He's one of their only players in the squad that they could sell for a decent value. So if a club wanted to come and get Marcus Rashford, they're going to have to pay a hefty fee, regardless of the form that he's in now. But yeah, that's really my problem here is that he's not in good form and he, he's just not really shown us for a long period of time what he is actually able of doing. Alongside that, there is other things outside football. It seems like he's having a bit of a hard time right now, which unfortunately is affecting the way that he's playing. But to be brutally honest, if you're signing a player for upwards of 70 million euros to maybe 100 million euros, could, could Marcus, like this sounds crazy now, but Marcus Rashford being valued last year probably was around that kind of fee. But if you're signing a player for that kind of money, you do want him to be in a good headspace. You do want him to be able to kick on and be your star man. Regardless of what's going on behind the scenes, as a football fan or as someone who is a member, a stakeholder at PSG, if you're bringing in a player for that kind of money, at the end of the day, you need them to be able to produce their best. I personally don't know Marcus Rashford. I don't know what's going on in his home life. And I hope whatever it is, if it's not great, that it's getting better. There's just a lot of rumours around it at the moment. But if you're the PSG manager, you just want a player that can perform. And the fact of it is, whether it's got anything to do with his home life or not, whatever the problem is with Marcus Rashford, he isn't performing right now and he hasn't done consistently for a long time. And you could argue it's probably a fair discussion to be had that maybe another coach, maybe Luis Enrique could get more out of Marcus Rashford than Eric Ten Hag. But we did actually see Marcus Rashford play well last season under the same head coach. So just from what I'm going on now, Marcus Rashford is at the bottom of my list, but he does obviously have ability. He has lightning talent. There's just not something quite right there right now. And if you're spending this kind of money, like I've said over and over and over again, if you're replacing Kylian Mbappe with a 70 million euro player, 
you just want them to either come in and score loads of goals or create loads of goals. And that is quite an important caveat to have, actually, is that I don't know if any of these guys are going to replace Kylian Mbappe in terms of his overall numbers, but it will involve a rejig of the squad where maybe some players in the PSG squad will come out of the shot a little bit more. For example, I'm kind of thinking about how Benzema did that when Ronaldo left to Juventus at Real Madrid and became their main star goal-scoring man. So it can happen. It can happen. But that's kind of regardless of the point at the moment. Because I really don't think that Marcus Rashford is the best move for PSG, especially considering the other names I have on this list. And also there's the question of how much would Marcus Rashford cost? Because I did mention, this is not going to be cheap. If they were able to get this player for 35, 40 million euros, an absolute steal, of course that would be a steal. You would do it. You would do it because of the upside that he has. But would you do it for 75, 80 85 million pounds. I mean, if Anthony's worth that, then surely Marcus Rashford is. Although I don't think anyone's arguing now that Anthony's worth that, but surely, surely Marcus Rashford would be worth more than Anthony. It could even be more than that. Now that I think about it, just purely on who he is, not only are you paying for the player, but you are paying for that commercial value that he provides as well, which is still very valuable to Manchester United because they aren't the same kind of star studded squad that they used to be think about Manchester United of the last the past 10 years but go, go back 10 years and think of every single Manchester United squad that Sir Alex Ferguson had they're all full of star men how many of those guys do they have right now maybe Marcus Rashford Bruno Fernandes Garnacho could be that guy maybe Hoyland Hoyland has been really good recently but he's not that star man not right now he could be I know Varane as well Varane was a huge name when they brought him in but not really anymore He's hardly getting in over Maguire. So that that quality, that undefinable real quality that Marcus Rashford does have in terms of being the poster boy for the side, that is so valuable to United. And they also just have this link between the academy and that they've always had academy players in their starting 11, or at least in their squad. And of course, Marcus Rashford provides that. So this isn't going to be something that comes cheap. And for that reason, I just don't think it's value for money. We've ended up talking about Marcus Rashford for quite a long period of time. And I'm just going to move on now to number four. And you would be thinking if we're replacing Kylian Mbappe, we're going to be looking on the left or up front. But this one is a little bit different and he's a great player. One of my favourite players in the Premier League. A little bit of a spoiler for you there. But he actually usually kind of operates more as a winger or as a centre midfielder. But the reason I'm still considering this player is if you look at PSG's squad, they nowhere near have the same kind of strength in the forward three positions that they used to. Think about it. In the last year, they've lost Messi, Neymar, and now Mbappe. And losing that kind of quality really has dented the strength of their squad. So this is why this guy is a little bit lower down. He has been linked to the club in recent days. I'm talking about Bernardo Silva, and you don't need me to tell you how good he is. Since he's moved from Monaco, he's won multiple Premier Leagues and a Champions League as well. Well, actually, he's pretty much won everything available to him and he has been a key player for City. And I have put him in here because I think this would be a good signing. I just don't know if this is the guy to replace Mbappe. He doesn't really have a great level of output and he never truly has. Of course, the quality that he would add to that front line, maybe starting on the right-hand side, I imagine it, would be amazing. He would be a great player for PSG and I can actually see this one kind of happening. I can see him moving there in the near future. There's always kind of rumours around him leaving City, regardless of how well he plays. But this season, yeah, he's got six goals, four assists, which isn't bad at all. That's pretty good. 
But in this situation, we are trying to replace Mbappe. And the other thing is, I also think that PSG have a guy maybe next season who wants to play in this position and probably will. And that's Xavi Simmons. I talked about him in one of my first ever podcasts and recommended him as a signing for Manchester United. But that's the profile player I can see playing on the right-hand side. Maybe Bernardo Silva comes in and sits in midfield. That's very possible, but that then wouldn't be an Mbappe replacement. Bernardo Silva is a great passer and he's in the top 13% for chances created as well. But yeah, last season, seven goals, six assists. Then the season before that, he did get 13 goals and seven assists. His best ever output in one season for Manchester City. Oh no, then, no, actually I'm wrong because in 2018-19, in he did get 13 goals and 13 assists. Forgive me. So he is consistent. I mean, it's nine goals, 11 goals, five, six goals. You know, you get the point. He does consistently return. I just don't know if this is the guy to go into the front three at PSG and make them a Champions League winner again, purely just based on the quality that they already have. Not saying he's not worthy of that. Of course he is. He's one of the most underrated players in the City squad, I think. I just don't know if he's going to be the Mbappe place replacement that we're looking for, especially with Xavi Simmons waiting in the wings on loan at RB Leipzig at the moment. Absolutely killing it, by the way. But the beauty of Xavi Simmons as well, when he does come back, and I assume next season he will be playing in Paris, he can play in the middle, he can play on the right, he can play on the left. So kind of whoever we fill this position with, whoever we bring in to replace Mbappe in this made-up situation, Xavi Simmons is probably going to be in the starting three as well. I just think we need that kind of ruthless goal scorer in the front three, someone who we know is a guarantee to continuously produce chances or score them. And that's the reason Bernardo Silva's in fourth. I don't think he's necessarily the fourth best player on this list. He might be the best. I don't know. But, but just for this ranking in particular, I don't think he's what we're looking for. So let's move on to number three. Now, the player in number three is one of my very favorite players to watch, especially last season. Now, Kavicha Kavarak Skelly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just, do you know what? I'm just going to leave that in. Kavicha Kavarak Skellia. I'm just going to call him Kavicha for now. Was one of the most exciting wingers during Napoli's historic title win. Spalletti leaving the club has really dented their form this season. And I did, I, that was one of, you know, that was something that really hurt me because he had something, he'd built something amazing there. And I get it was time for him. He, he decided it's time for him to finish, but it just feels like they could have done more. Like if that team was still together with all the players, Kim and Jaya left obviously to buy Munich as well. But if they managed to keep that squad together, I just think that they, maybe they could have pushed on this season and being a real powerhouse in Europe. But it's not to be, and obviously the star of Kvitscha and his partnership with Victor Ossiman has kind of dwindled in that time. This season, Napoli really haven't been quite as good. And, well, they actually just haven't been good at all. They're 10th, which is actually terrible compared to where they were last year. I know this Serie A is extra competitive this year, and they're actually only kind of nine points away from top four. But considering the circumstances, it's pretty terrible. They haven't had some of their best players for a majority of the season. Victor Osman's only played 13 matches, started 11 and scored seven goals. But yeah, we might be going on to him later. But just to provide you with a little bit of context around Napoli this year, they haven't had their starting striker for most of the season. So of course, that is going to affect your form somewhat. They did lose their best defender as well in the summer. But regardless of this, Kvitscha is still a world-class talent. 
He's only got six goals and three assists this year. And that is in 32 games last year. He played 43, got 14 goals and 14 assists. So quite a significant drop off there. I have to think that has got something to do with them not having Victor Osimhen for half the season, just because their link up is so good. But one of the main features that Kvavak Skelia actually has over Bernardo Silva is his age. He's only 23 years old and he's actually only been at Napoli for two seasons. He's only in his second season now. He's got a lot of room to grow and he set himself such a high bar last year. I think there's a lot more to come from him. And I think moving to PSG, is his output going to drop? Definitely not. I, I can see him hitting big numbers. The only reason he's in third is I don't think we've seen quite enough of him purely just based on this season. If he'd signed for PSG at the end of last season, yes, he would have had less experience and we would have seen less of him, but he was on better form. So that's the real only thing kind of clouding my judgment on him here. But we don't actually have a huge sample size on Kvitscha. I mean, what we do know is that he's super fun to watch. He takes a lot of touches, wins a lot of fouls. He's created 39 chances this season. I think he'd be good in a dominant system. He's still a good passer. And off the basis of what we've seen last season, I think he is a good goal scorer as well, or he can be. And if he was coming into PSG, he would kind of need to be. He is also very versatile. He can play on the right, he can play on the left. And that is, again, something that will be very useful to PSG if he was to sign. Now, he has been linked to Barcelona in recent weeks. And actually, I'd, I'd kind of love to see that. I, I don't know. There's some players, I think, that just look great in a Barcelona shirt and they just look right. And by that, I mean the way that they play. He just feels like he is probably a Barcelona player. But equally, I think this would be a signing that PSG fans could get really excited about especially if he can start to hit that form he was on last year. And actually, I just think Kvitscha has a really high ceiling and he's going to go right to the top. And also, due to the spotlight not really being on Napoli as much as it was in the summer, they might even get a bit of a better deal for him. So, I don't know. This could be a really good one. But yeah, like I said, I'm just not quite as sure. I'm not quite as bullish on him as maybe the players in second and first in this list. And if you were listening, you may have already guessed who is in number two. And of course, it's Victor Osserman. He is probably the most in-demand striker in the world at the moment. He's prolific. That's all you can really say. He scores a lot of goals. Whilst this season he has been managing injuries, trying to fight off those problems, he has still got seven goals in 13 games. Scored a huge one for Napoli last night against Barcelona. I, I think Napoli only had one shot in that game and he scored. But I mean, last year, 31 goals in 39 games. And then previously he had 18 goals in 32 and then 10 in 30. But when he was at Lille in his one season at Lille, he scored 18 in 38. And let's not forget, he's only 25 years old. But I think the thing with Victor Osserman is that he really just does have that star potential. I know he's already a superstar. And I've talked about this whole being a star thing a lot in this episode. But I think it's important for a team like PSG to be making signings that people can get excited about. I don't think they're particularly happy at losing three of their best players in one season. And signing a guy who can come in and take over the mantle is really important, especially when you're signing a striker, because they spent a lot of money on Kolo Mwani and that hasn't really paid off. They need a guarantee. It's simple as that. And I think it's almost impossible for Victor Osman to fail at PSG. It's probably a slightly lower level than the Serie A. And by that, I mean the Liga. I don't mean PSG, but the league itself probably isn't quite as good as the Serie A. He's played in it before, of course, did really well in his time. That obviously earned a big move to Napoli. He would also offer something that PSG just don't have, which is a physical presence. He's great with his head. He's really, really strong. 
And that'll be something that's really important in big games for PSG if they were to sign someone like Victor Osserman. Because in the Champions League, when they're not dominant in games, it's often been the case when they're playing the teams like Real Madrid or Bayern Munich that they just don't have a plan B and they just kind of go a little bit weak. And having a big, strong forward like Osman will give them something different. And the beauty of it is as well, he is really tall. He is really strong, but he's also very quick. So I guess here we have a guy who I'm pretty confident will come in and start to take over the burden that Mbappe's left behind, that Messi's left behind, or Neymar, of scoring goals for PSG. So if we have Victor Osman, who I am saying right now, I think is a guarantee to be a success if he was to make this move. Why is he not number one? Well, first of all, I just think there's someone out there who might just be a little bit more suited to this role. Because whilst I think Victor Osman is an amazing, fantastic forward, he isn't perfect. He's actually not excellent on the ball. He doesn't hold up the ball very well in particular moments. He's also just not really a great passer, which worries me slightly when PSG are very dominant in the league. Although would they centre their play similar to how Man City do, where you have Erling Haaland up front, who doesn't really touch the ball much of the game and all he does is score goals. Maybe that's what they could do. This would be this would be a great signing. But I just think at number one, maybe we have someone who is just a little bit better suited to fill in the position of Kylian Mbappe. Someone who I think would bring real excitement. And that's not saying that Victor Osman won't be an exciting signing for PSG. Of course he will. But I think at number one, Rafa Liao. I think Rafa Liao, it just makes so much sense to me. I am aware that I might be slightly contradicting myself as Victor Osman is, of course, the most prolific player on this list. And I haven't stopped banging on about PSG needing someone like that. But Rafa Liao, yes, 10 goal involvements in 22 games this season. That, that's in the Syria. Last season, he played 48 games, got 16 goals and 11 assists. But I just think every time I watch him play, every time I see Milan play, He's the best player on the pitch and he carries them. When he's not in the squad, they're a completely different side. And yeah, he's just always the best player on the pitch. He's great to watch. He's great with the ball at his feet. He makes a lot of key passes. He's great dribbler, great through ball, great finisher. He's also surprisingly strong in the air as well. Just to watch him cut inside from the left and just create things for Milan. He's just great to watch. I can't really describe it other than... This one just makes sense. And I, I can see him in the PSG shirt and just elevating it and being the main man in that squad. And he's actually, he's been around for a long time, but he's still only 24. The one thing is he's been linked to Manchester City, who are apparently willing to pay 100 million euros for him. I mean, sure, surely they have enough wingers at this point. This would be him coming in on the left-hand side. He isn't maybe quite as versatile as some of the other players on this list, but he is in the top 3% of all forwards for assists per 90. He's on about 0.4. He's completed 42 dribbles this season. And yeah, like I mentioned earlier as well, 63.3% of aerial duels won. For a forward, that is really, really good. One other thing I like about Rafa Liao is that he's actually really good defensively. Listen to this. Remember, he's playing on the left-hand side. 16 blocks, 57 recoveries. He's only been dribbled past three times this season. He's in the top 12% for possession one in the final third. And he's also won over 100 duels. And that's all just this season, which is really impressive. I do also think that that's something that PSG need. When they had the famous front three of Messi, Mbappe and Neymar, it was pretty clear that they actually didn't work that hard defensively and they weren't really required to. But bringing in someone who can do that and is willing to do that, I actually think that will be making a big difference for them in the big Champions League games to not have to deal with having players in your starting eleven who are effectively passengers defensively. 
regardless of how talented they are and how much they offer you going forwards, you need to defend as a team. And Raphael can do that and he's willing to. So yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Raphael is my guy who I would sign if I was PSG to replace Mbappe, who is finally leaving to go to Real Madrid after all the years of speculation. And to be honest, we are all going to be excited to watch him play at Real Madrid, aren't we? Unless you're a Barcelona fan, of course. But yeah, I think, to be honest, I actually think most of these guys I've talked about today would probably be a success at PSG, but they have got some work to do in their front line. And I'm interested to see, maybe they'll sign two of them. Maybe they'll sign Osman and Liao. That would be insane up front with Xavi Simmons. I would like to see that. And I definitely wouldn't put it past PSG to do so. But they have got some work to do. They've spent a lot of money on players that aren't really up to it. Not only Kolo Mwani, as I mentioned earlier, they actually decided to sign Ramos on a permanent. But actually, he's just not been very good there. So that was a weird decision. So they have actually got some work to do if they want to maintain their status as a big dog in Europe. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I would choose Rafa Leal, maybe Victor Osman as well, if you're being really greedy. I don't think that can really go wrong, can it? But anyway, I am going to leave it there. I'm absolutely exhausted. So I'm just going to cut it at this point now. And just, yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you did enjoy it. And if you did, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out. And it means a lot to me too. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this show and I'll be back very soon with another episode of Sport Hawk Sound.